This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom. So we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to a Real Man Wood podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. And hopefully we don't have a total fail on the video side like we did last week. And it was actually kind of a fail on the audio side, too. So uh, I moved to a new apartment. I got a new internet. I think it's faster. I like this new apartment. And uh, I don't know if you can see that I'm wearing a scarf uh, because a real man wears a scarf anyway, but it's not just that. It's also because it's fucking cold in here. These old apartments, there's no central heat. You basically buy space heaters. But since we moved in May 1st, uh, we're not, we're like, ah, fuck it. We can just live with it for like a, a week or two and it's going to be warm because Heather had to buy so much shit. So like, there's, I don't know if you can hear an echo. There's like literally no furniture here except my desk. Uh, and I'm sitting on like Sasha's stool because I don't even have a desk chair yet. It's all coming Monday, but I have a bed. So I've uh, made the transition and there, that's not code for anything. The transition. Right. Yeah, no, last week we were outside, a, a beautiful backdrop, saw some olive trees and it didn't record. Um, now this week there's something else. So first of all, it's taken us about 20 minutes to start this. It's probably going to be some other disaster and I'm sure people will hate the echo. So it's always something, but we're making progress. You actually, your video quality on my end looks much better. So what was the uh, precipice of the move? Uh, tell us about that. You're in the same city. So what's going on there with the, with the new digs? Yeah, we just moved across town. Like basically we decided we we're going to stay here a while. And that other place was it's like Airbnb that we sort of bought out for long term. Uh, it, the landlord turned out to be kind of a douche, but it, it wasn't really about that. He was fine, you know, insofar as while we were there. But basically like the summer got more expensive because they Airbnb that shit. And then so we would like leave the entire summer and then we'd have to coordinate with him like when to go back. And then all the shit we have here, like all our stuff, we didn't have furniture. We'd have to like store in these like closets in the garage and all these places, give some to friends. It's a real pain in the ass before you're making an international trip to have to like store all your shit. So we just felt like if we moved, we could go to a cheaper place, have a place to keep everything and also get out of like the trendy tourist area that we were kind of sick of. It's like over, it's overrun now like by, by tourists. Not as many Americans. There's some, like you hear some, you know, Americans speaking English, a lot of French and other Europeans, but it's just like, it's overrun like that part of Lisbon. So we're in more of like a neighborhood part of Lisbon. I don't know how many of our listeners are uh, familiar with New York City, but it was as though we were like living in like the West Village or like Soho or something like that. And we moved to the Upper West Side. We moved to more of like a family neighborhood where it's not like overrun by tourists. So you're happy with the move then? Yeah, it's great. Uh, this place, first of all, this place is two-thirds of the price, and it's twice as big. I so mean, I have to change schools? No, same school. Oh. Equidistant from the school. Her life's pretty much the same, except she has a gigantic bed made out of some organic mattress that's like the best mattress ever. I'm jealous. Like I was like lying in that bed. I was like, damn, we should have got one for us. Our bed is nice too, though, rather than the piece of shit bed that was way too saggy and soft that I was sleeping in for the last year and a half. That was hell. I, I just needed to move out just for the fucking bed alone is reason to move out. But this place is great and it's a lot cheaper. It costs a lot to like furnish. Like we're not even done and like bought a couple of nice flat screens, you know. By the way, when you're buying a flat, if you were to buy a new flat screen, I don't know how long it's been since you bought a TV, what would you look, like what would you look for? What would, what would be the features? Um, well, I want it to be, what is it, 4K and like yeah. the highest series. Um, I just got one actually not that long ago, a Samsung, like nine series, uh, I think 55 inches. Okay. And it was actually more expensive than I thought it was going to be because I went with the higher series and I'm not sure it was worth it, but I know you can get a really decent, you know, quality big TV these days for a grand. 
Oh, you spent more than a grand? You're out of your fucking mind. I got a 55-inch, what's it? Oh, Phillips. I got a Phillips, 55-inch, yeah. 4K, HDR for uh, 600 euros, maybe? That's like 750 bucks? Yeah, I got a Samsung with 1,200, so there you go. 1,200? No, that's no. a nutless monkey move. I got the yeah. same TV you got. It's the same yeah. fucking thing. I'm not quite sure about the quality, but yeah, it sounds like you, you Dude, got it's a pretty a 4K good 4K HDR. Anyway, whatever. Right. The funny thing is when I went to the websites and I was like, okay, what do you need? What do you need in a TV? Like, what should, you know, what should I, what's important? They're like, yeah, 4K HDR, which is like the contrast. I don't know what any of this shit means, but I just read a bunch of tech reviews. But then they're like, basically just get the biggest fucking TV you can afford. Right. You know? yeah. And like, we didn't yeah. want to go bigger than 55 because that's getting silly. Yeah. Well, it depends how much space you have, but yeah, I didn't go bigger than that. But you, know, you said Nutless Monkey and I, I just can't, I can't let you off the hook with this. I just want to say that you have to be one of the only people in the history of planet Earth to say a real man wears a scarf. I mean, that, that, First of all, a real man does wear a scarf because a real man isn't being dressed by his mom to look, you know, to wear khaki pants and a, and a polo shirt and look the fucking same every single day. And is afraid to have a little style. Hey, because, a polo shirt. Go on. You have a problem with a polo shirt? I'm saying, like, come on, dude. Like, fucking have a little bit of style once in your fucking life. Before no, you start I, doing... Hey, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with a scarf. I'm just saying, I bet you're one of the few people to utter the oh, sentences. Okay. Real you're man not, You're saying scarf. you don't... You're not criticizing it. You're just saying you find it odd that I would say that a real man would wear a scarf. Right. Well, it's fucking right. cold in here. As I was saying, right. there's no central heat and you got to get a heater... And there was so much shit to deal with that we're like getting a heater is not a priority nope. moving in, yeah, in May. Moving's the worst. Moving's the absolute worst. Dude, it's, it's, you you, you want to hear how bad this shit was? I got I sick this weekend because uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I got almost no sleep for various reasons. And then Friday, uh, I, I moved a bunch of shit over, um, tested out the XM unit, did all the shit, then picked up Sasha from school, took her to her piano lesson, then brought her back home. And then Heather had this friend over. I should have just gone to sleep, but she had this friend over uh, and she was in the wine business and we started talking and she was kind of cool. So I went out to the balcony to drink wine with them. But all my sweaters and coats and all that shit were in the new house. We'd already moved some of that shit in. So I just had like one sweater and I put on a second sweater, but I didn't have a scarf or a hat or any of that shit. It was cold as shit and windy on the deck. And I just drank through it. I just had like five glasses of wine uh, while you know, just sitting there shivering on the deck until I got drunk. Letting enough her lighting. freeze probably. You had all the clothing to yourself? What's that? Did you let the guests freeze outside? Uh, we gave her a blanket, you know? So like, oh, she had this blanket, right. and, like, I just had, like, a couple thin sweaters, and it was, it was right. legitimately cold. Uh, and I just sure. drank through it. Right. So next day I woke up Saturday morning, and I'm like, damn, I'm hungover. I feel terrible. I got this headache. I, I don't feel well at all. It's body aches. I really feel bad. So I, like, dragged myself out with Sasha and Heather. We would go to this lunch, and I got some wine to, like, you know, hair of the dog it, right? Sure. And get through like half a bottle of the wine and the hangover's gone. Like I, I'm like, fine. You know, I didn't drink that much. I drank like five glasses of wine. And then I realized, oh shit, my hangover's gone, but I'm fucking straight up. I have the flu. Like that's, that's why I feel bad. I have like body aches. Like I feel terrible. You're only going to make yourself more sick by so, attacking yeah. your immune so system. I, no, but the wine at least made me feel, you know, better. So well, then I, you know, I go home and I'm like that night, I'm like shaking and shivering, sweating, you know, trying to wear a couple sweaters under the covers. <laughs> Well, on Monday, I had to move the bulk of the shit, right? Which we moved it ourselves because we didn't have furniture, but I had Sasha's table and some heavy books and shit. And this is a third floor, third floor walk-up. So imagine yeah. having like those shakes and the body aches and you're fucking Yeah, you didn't, have Keith, you didn't have Keith Hernandez help you move either. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's awful. You know, I always heard it's anecdotal bullshit that being cold causes a cold. It's just like something you think, but... I mean, oh. not, who's to say you didn't have a bug already, well, but I'm just no, saying I've heard that that's not really the case, but who knows? Yeah, I, I think you, what happens is your resistance goes down because your body's trying to heat itself. And also, I was exhausted, too, so I was tired. I just shouldn't have pushed it. Like, I, I knew better. I just wanted to hang out, and I was dumb. So anyway, on Monday, I was literally, like, walking up these two flights of stairs, like, maybe 12 times. Each, we had to do two rounds, and down a flight of stairs with all that shit in the morning, you know? It's a fucking lot of shit to do when you have like the body aches, right? It actually yeah, almost I, cured I, me though. I'd be hiring someone, no question. Yeah, no, I mean, no, we didn't no. think of it because we we're like, yeah, I mean, it's not that big a deal. It's a couple car loads. It's not like there's no like yeah. sofas and tables and shit. It was just like you know some boxes and stuff. But like over and over and get up and down the stairs. I'm like breathing, huffing and puffing and shit. That's horrible. Like, that real man awful. does that shit. Yeah, <laughs> and that's another example of why I'm not one. Is, yes, is, is exactly. that right there? 
right. So, all right. What else is going on? You want to talk a little baseball? I mean, the, the craziest story right now going on is this Trevor Bauer thing. I mean, it truly is nuts. Uh, it, it's bound to happen. But these guys going back and forth in today's media. I don't know how much you followed it um, on, on Twitter or whatever. But we, we actually had Eno Saris on the show today. I know I was going to bring that up. I did. I did happen to catch that. He was. It was a really good segment. So, uh, do you want to talk about it? Or I mean, I mean, yeah. You had. You had him. He wrote a good. A good column on it. But I mean, the gist of it is just that Bauer basically accused the Astros of cheating, and uh, Garrett Cole's spin rate has just skyrocketed since joining the organization. And there's other kind of uh, hints that Bauer is testing the hypothesis and proving it himself. And his, as Sarah's pointed out, the first inning spin rate numbers are are crazily high compared to the rest of the innings. And uh, it's, it's super interesting stuff. Yeah, we, we used to talk about it in the Braves in like 1999. They, like everyone who went to the Braves would like be lights out. When they left the Braves, they would suck. And everybody on the Braves was good. And it was, you know, we think now like a pitch framing thing. They were like kind of advanced pitch framing. Leo so, Mazzoni. Yeah, uh, everyone loved Mazzoni. Yeah, with Leo Mazzoni and, and just setting, you know, with Eddie Perez, they were just setting up like a little bit outside. I, I wonder because... You know, when the whole team is striking out double digits all the time, you got to be like, oh, is it just, what a coincidence. Like, all those Astros pitchers are just so good. Now, Verlander was good already. And Eno pointed out basically that um, a lot of these guys, their spin rate was just about what it is now. It's barely higher. The only one who made a really major leap was Cole. Um, but if it is in the first inning, and, and Bauer showed that if you uh, use pine tar, your spin rate spikes, and then maybe there's something going on. You know, I, I don't know. I looked up just for, for shits and giggles, uh, pitches one through 15 for Trevor Bauer this season. Right. OPS against 380. Uh, his batting average against 111 on base. It's just ridiculous. Now, of course, everyone's first inning is typically the best. You know, it's, it's harder to go through an order second and third time. Right. right sure. You look at pitches one through 30, and they're drastically better for Bauer for whatever that's worth. I just looked that up after I saw this, you know, this conjecture. You Garrett Cole? No, no, Bauer. No, oh. Bauer. But I thought you know, you know Bauer, what's happening. What's that? Oh, so you, oh, have you not read the Saris thing? No, no, I did, Saris, I did read it. I thought he did like an experiment or something. Right, and doesn't he? And doesn't Bauer's spin rate way higher in the first inning? Yeah, I thought I thought that, but I was like, I thought that he was like purporting to explain Garrett Cole's increased spin rate the same way. Right. Well, I'm saying that the numbers of Bauer in those first innings, I, and I don't know if that was just a one-time thing. I thought maybe I misread it, but I thought he was comparing his first inning for this season compared to the rest of his innings. Oh. And I'm saying Bauer may, may do that before he starts. Who knows? This is all just conjecture. But what I'm saying, if Bauer is testing this, and there's, that's what they said, check the data on Bauer's first inning compared to the rest. If he is doing that and only doing it in the first, his numbers are – he's dominating in the first inning. Right. But that's kind of weird because he's the one making the accusation, and then he'd be the one cheating right. literally that's in the first I inning. Know. He'd be literally right. cheating in the first inning to try to out cheaters who might not even be cheating at all. That's so why the whole the thing – if there's some benign explanation where, oh, no, 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 actually what's happened, but we didn't want to have to you know, go public with this, but now you're forcing us to, is that our pitching coach showed a new grip, and this grip increases spin rate, and everybody on the Astros already knew this, except Cole is new, so he learned this when he got here, and now you know, his spin rate is increased because he's throwing the pitch a little bit differently. Uh, the other thing Eno said was, um, he didn't say that, I'm just like making that up, but if, if that happened, then Bauer's like, really fucked, because not only did he like falsely accuse somebody, but then he's also busted because he cheated. And, and it's like, you can't just say, oh, well, I'm only cheating for the good of the, the public, I'm, right. you know, for the sake of science, you know. Right. The other, and the then you also thing do is, studies to see how the, how the spin rates, how people went to the Astros, how, they, how it carried over, and, 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 and wasn't there any, there wasn't anything significant there, was there? Well, no, the, the, most of the guys he said that the Astros went to go out and get were guys with high spin rate. Like, that was something that they valued already. And then the other thing is, he said that was interesting is that it could be kind of a classification issue of, of like, well, maybe... Cole's four-seamer has more spin rate than his two-seamer, but they're sort of being classified together if they're like similar velocity or being misclassified. So the average is lower because it's counting some pitches that aren't really the four-seamer. Who knows? I mean, it could be nefarious. It could be pine tar. And then the other point was that apparently a lot of people use pine tar and it's not really enforced very evenly. So... You know, I mean, he says, uh, they, you know, he interviews a lot of players and he said they open, you know, just all speak to him like it's a, a thing, like a common, a common occurrence. So yeah. anyway, it's good. I, it, it's an interesting topic. Um, I don't know. It, it's one of those things like it's better than roids, right? Because, you know, saying, well, you know, what if you're not using it? And, you know, what are you supposed to do if you're not using it like everyone else is? It's like, well, at least it's not roids. It's just putting some pine tar in your hands, you know? So this StatCast stuff is fascinating. I'm getting more into exit velocity and launch angle and all that stuff's great. But there's someone else who was pointing out that even, even today, not just three years ago, but today they still have some unknown balls and they're just classified kind of they, – they actually 
just based on the trajectory, like they guess. And somebody even pointed out that like, uh, you know, Dozier's off to a poor start power wise. And, and if you just took away the unknowns, his launch angle goes from career high to career low this season. So there's still a lot of stuff. And as you just pointed out with Garrett Cole's classification, a lot of noise in these numbers still, even though we're trying to get, you know, precise. Yeah, I'm really of two minds with this stuff. Like, I respect the data guys, and I think, like, okay, you know, you shouldn't, like, bury your head in the sand and be like, you know, I don't, I don't listen to data. I just go with my, you know, what I see and, and the basic stats. I get that. I, I, I get not doing that and saying, okay, let's, let's find what the latest is. Let's try to get an edge. Let's, let's be, you know, up with the cutting-edge technology and innovation in, in your area. At the same time, I feel like the more shit, you remember it's BABIP. Oh, BABIP's the key. Now we know who's lucky and who's not. And how much of a fucking farce did that turn out to be? You know, if I see a guy with a 340 bad two years in a row, I'm like, that dude sucks. He's a fucking strike thrower. He gets pounded. He doesn't know how to like throw out of the zone intentionally. He doesn't know how to get people to chase. He's getting pounded because all he does is, is throw in the zone. And fundamentally, Babbitt just always felt wrong. It just felt like it didn't make any sense. You're like, oh, the hitters control it, but the pitchers don't. It just, I don't know. So yeah, yeah, I'm with so you. A That's fraud. A good, you know what else is a fraud? What? UZR. UZR is yeah. bullshit. That those defensive metrics, they're mostly crap. So and, and they, you know, you know people, someone oh, just yeah. backdated and changed stuff drastically. Uh, some they just uh, tinkered with some and backdated it and changed stuff. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm of two minds. I can appreciate the, the side for sure, but but continue what you're saying. Finish, finish what you're what you're yeah, saying. I'm, with I'm that. just saying like a part of me is just like you know, there's always going to be that you know you get all this new data. We're in this age of big data. But there's always like interpretation of data and what are the inputs and like what's going into it. Before we just had these like, you know, launch angles and exit velocities and nobody was saying, oh, well, you know, a certain percentage of these are unknowns. They're just guessed. We thought, oh, this is science, man. This is coming out. Like, no, it's not science. It's a bunch of dudes making this shit up. And, you know, it's obscuring results. Last year, Miguel Cabrera's exit velocities were really good. And I was like, oh, I'll stick with him no matter how injured he is, no matter what a fucking flat tire he is. I'll keep him in my lineup because his exit velocity is really good. It's just a matter of time. Oh wait, the whole Detroit exit velocity sure. thing was yeah. was like yeah. was like calibrated wrong. I mean, you can't make this shit up. It, it's it's like so much shit, and so you and it causes worse errors because if you didn't know that, you would just take it at face value. But now it's like making you do all these categorical errors. And one big one that I'm into is like just pitcher velocity, right? Pitcher velocity is big, but sometimes like pitches are miscategorized, or and so like I'm making big decisions based on somewhat noisy data. And so it's like good to know all that stuff, but I, I feel like in the end, it's just you watch the game, you look at the strikeouts, the walks, the home runs, the ERA, the whip, you know, over time, and you watch the guy pitch, and you might learn a little bit by some, oh, swinging strike rate and whatever else, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know. In the end, I just don't know how much of an advantage it is, and, and, and it, I know that it's been a disadvantage in many times when you, when right. you can overvalue one particular stat or factor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, spin rates uh, specifically are interesting, too, because you, you want them for four-seam fastballs and curveballs, but you want a uh, low spin rate for change-ups, and I think sliders even, so you can misuse that data as well. But, um, yeah, definitely imprecise and imperfect. Uh, I don't know, what, what, what other baseball you want to talk about? The other interesting topic, more old school, just because they're fun to watch, are the Braves, man. I mean, what a young, uh, exciting team. I mean, it's, I don't even have a lot of shares. We have Acuna in, in League of Leagues. Right. I have Albies in a league that's not a, you know, a ton of money involved. So kind of jealous. So that, that, that's a sick young squad. Yeah, when I'm jealous like that, when I, you know, I have Acuna in that league with you and I have won my home league, which is decent money, but it's not like I don't like get fired up. Like if I, win. I mean, I'm happy to win it, but I'm not like, it's not like a huge accomplishment. I just don't like it. I hope they fail. You know, I'm like, ah, fuck those guys. I, I do yeah. think that they're, I mean, Acuna's been up one week, so nobody knows anything. But, you know, Albies has had a huge start, nine homers, three steals, but he's gotten caught twice. I don't know. I wouldn't go crazy. Like, people are like, where would you take Albies right now? I'd be like, mid-third. I'm not taking him yeah. in, like, the second round. Maybe the fourth. They're like, yeah. where would you take yeah, Charlie? You probably wouldn't get him there. I mean, that SunTrust helps. He's a switch hitter, helps lefty power. He's hitting uh, leadoff. I guess in the NL, that's not ideal. I don't, yeah, I get Okay, so you wouldn't get him, I'd say, if you're waiting to the fourth round. No, I wouldn't get him. I, I'd be like, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that it's, it's not a real breakout. It probably is. I don't think he's going to hit 40 home runs or anything like that. Freddie Freeman's so good, man. I mean, he's, he's ridiculous. Yeah. It, good. It's exciting for the Braves, and, and if you have those players, for sure. But I, I'm, you know, I'm not like a... I'm not one of those guys that's like happy for other people in fantasy sports, you know? No, I fully understand and endorse I, I'm that. I'm not like, oh, it's so great. You know, I don't have any shares, but I'm just so happy for the people that drafted him. Fuck that. Like, what the fuck? That's yeah. nutless monkey shit. 
Of course, of course. Um, all right, I have other random topics to throw at you. Do you want? Do you have any more baseball? Um, How are your teams not, doing? Uh, well, my main event is in fifth, and I was low in strikeouts, and I'm like every week. I'm just trying to add five or ten strikeouts. Mad Bum looks like the you know he's ahead of schedule, which is good. You know, panic and Cueto is going to need Tommy John. It's a Giants fan. It sucks. So uh, can't complain. Warriors and you know obviously Jimmy G is the best thing ever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Giants season's already done after April again, second year in a row. Well, anyway, go ahead. at least they're not the Dodgers. But yeah, yeah. Base, the NL is really crazy. It's really upside down. I mean, you have Nationals you have the, been disappointment. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. The Nationals every year they're always injured and they they don't get it done. Bryce Harper's always awesome for like those first two weeks of April though. He's like the greatest first two weeks of April player in all yep. time. I mean, he's amazing. They moved the leadoff yesterday or when was that? Today or yesterday he hit a homer. But but you know yeah, that dude's go ahead. a bum. He just he just can't keep it up. He, I think he's okay. Yeah. So your team. So I was yeah, actually I, thinking. You know, how Stanton has done absolutely fucking nothing. That when Harper had like you know eight home runs in like the first week, and Stanton was doing was striking out every day, I almost was thinking of just offering Harper straight up for Stanton in one of my leagues because I would I had Stanton ahead of Harper, and I, and of course the the uh, Stanton owner is going to snap call that, you know I, I right. probably still would if I did it, I think right. I would still take Stanton, but I, the sure problem with Stanton he's got a little Buxton in him, he's got a little bit of nutless monkey uh, where he just wrong. Yeah. needs to get hurt and like well, so does Harper no. Harper does too. They all do. All three of those guys. Yeah, yeah. The injury you know, yeah, is so out I, of control. I, I, have a, I have a lot of DJ LeMayhew and Miguel Sano in a lot I of NFL. both those guys in the main event. Uh, and, they, and they announced Sunday night. Like, it doesn't look like a DL trip. And then, of course, they're gone for so the whole week. A couple le- – uh, it's tough. That, that's, been, that's been a struggle for me. But otherwise, uh, yeah, nothing new. Just baseball, whatever. We're in the doldrums. Did you watch any of the NFL draft? I didn't watch a single – Did you uh, do the under uh, the five minutes? Under. That, under as you promised? Under came in. Under came in. All right. So you, The under uh, – Point oh 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 one milliseconds came in. Oh, nice, nice, impressive. So, any, any other thoughts? You probably talked about it enough, but the whole Barkley, you versus the uh, the stat heads. Yeah, I got into it on Twitter. Uh, it's funny. I had like one take. I was talking shit, and JJ Zacharias and like stepped up and like took on the debate. And he, he's very nice. He's not. It wasn't like it wasn't like a fuck you debate. You know, like fuck you yeah. and you're an idiot. You know, it was like well. Here's why I disagree. You know, it's like one of those. It was fine. I mean, he's a nice guy. And, and he, he's actually, you know, he's, I, I respect that what, when I, I read like an article that he wrote about it. And it, it, he writes in clear, clear argument English. You know, he doesn't like try to rely on like, I mean, he, they have their proprietary metric, which I don't, I never value like in, internal metrics. But, but he does put it in like yards per target and makes right. his case in, in a way that like a regular person could understand. So I do appreciate that. But I just disagree um, with most of it. Like in the article, he was talking about how he made a couple of points, and one of which was that you know passing the passing game is more important than the running game. Okay, and the argument for that is that the average pass play is like seven yards. Seven YPA is about average. Now there's sacks and interceptions which cut into that, but even with those, it's better than the average run play, which is like four. It's three yards more. It's almost double. But if you right. were to take that to its logical conclusion, then you should just never run. You just always pass. And I wonder if there are more fumbles on pass plays than run plays? I think plays? it's close. I think it's close. Quarterbacks yeah. fumble a lot, but run, a and lot. receivers occasionally fumble. But they're also by far the most likely position to recover their own fumble, too, is, is okay. a quarterback. But, but receivers also – but when the other team recovers it, it's the most devastating because it's usually going the other way for a touchdown. Right. right. But whatever. Okay. You know, interceptions – obviously, there's more turnovers on pass plays because of interceptions okay. are added. And sacks also come with the risk of quarterback injury, which running plays don't. But let's just put all that to the side okay. and let's just concede that like the average pass play gets you more net you know, gain than the average run play. That's just factually true. And it's probably yeah. by a decent margin. But by that logic, um, why wouldn't you just pass every play? You should just throw a pass. You should never run the ball. Well, why can't, why can't you do that? What's the problem with that? Well, because the defenses would gear toward that and that number would come significantly right, down. Right. So you must run at least like 25% of the time. I mean, no, the minimum people run is like 37 is like the lowest in the league. But I, I'd say like the floor has got to be, I'm, I'm conservatively 25. It's probably like 35. Let's just right. say 25 is the absolute lowest. That's right. So you can't just compare running plays to passing plays and like leave it at that because like you need a certain amount of running plays. You right. It'd be like saying like, well, home runs are better than steals in fantasy, so I'm just not going to draft any steals, guys. Well, no, you right. must have steals to compete like, in an overall contest. You can't just not get them. So right. you can't, right. it doesn't matter like, what the, you know. So you must get running plays. 
Well, yeah, that, that number A exists because of, of number B. I mean, because of the running. Right. That, that's it, I mean, it, it, it's that not even that people are like, oh, you got to run to set up the pass. No, if you pass really well, you could probably set up the run. But regardless, you need to run the ball. It's not like you can compare. You, you, you can't just act like, oh, we can just do without this part of the game. So you have to compare like runners to runners and passers to passers, not the other sure. way around. Okay. So comparing passers to passers, there's literally 28 teams and probably more if you count like Flacco slash Lamar Jackson on the Ravens that have their franchise quarterback. I mean, you could maybe take out Case Keenum, but he just signed a deal with Denver, and he had a good year last year. There's 28 teams that have either a top 10 pick starting for them, uh, a, you know, an obvious star quarterback, or you know, a longtime veteran uh, who's clearly their, their guy, like Phillip Rivers or somebody like that, or Andy Dalton. So mm-hmm. quarterbacks aren't even scarce anymore. Like Everybody has one, pretty much. I mean, you might not think Mitch Trubisky or Pat Mahomes is a franchise quarterback, but he's the franchise quarterback. I mean, he's the guy they drafted to How represent. How dare you, Pat Mahomes? How dare you? I have him ranked sixth in my fantasy <laughs> QBs right now. How dare you? Right. So, yeah. like, everybody has a quarterback. I mean, literally, you look at it. I, the only ones I said don't are Eli, Bortles, Tannehill, and Flacco. And even they're, like, you know, could, I mean, right. Bortles was taken with a third pick. Bortles, you know? yeah, nearly went to the Super Bowl. I mean, right. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, I, there's really no team that has no quarterback at this moment. The Bills yeah. drafted their QB. You know, Eli's pretty shaky, whatever. Okay. So, Except only, for the one team that you're arguing, <laughs> which is pretty funny. That's the one team that you're arguing for yeah, taking a I mean, Eli, you know, Eli, they need a replacement. But, but literally, it was, oh, it's so hard to get a quarterback. It, the, the problem is a lot of these quarterback um, truthers, they argue as though, like, if you don't get the quarterback in the first round, then you're going to be with Tom Savage or Trevor Simeon or Brock Osweiler. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Deshaun Kaiser, that's what you're stuck with, right? But, like, that is the rare exception that you're stuck with one of those. The norm is that you have Case Keenum or Tyrod Taylor or Andy Dalton or any number of these guys that are perfectly good. When you're like, oh, we have to get Marcus Mariota. It's so important to get a franchise quarterback. We have to get Mitch Trubisky. Really? It's so important to have Mr. Trubisky and not Case Keenum or Mariota and not Kirk Cousins. Or, I mean, it, they're all the fucking same, most of these guys. And you're not even arguing against passing either. You're arguing that the system should deserve more credit than the quarterbacks getting. It, For most, it, in most cases. It, like, most you know, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, if he, ever, if he ever stayed healthy. There's a few guys that like, are, are difference makers. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy G. G. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see if he is. He's in Shanahan's system, so it's going to be hard to separate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's when you have a combination of both. You get just well, well, we'll, something can, we've never seen before. We, we'll, Walsh, we'll see Walsh Montana. You can go like debate all, all day whether it's Rice, Walsh, or Montana. Yeah. But if you rooted for the 49ers and the 80s, you don't really care. You just, you're just happy to, to have it. Right. Anyway, so, so yeah, the system's a huge part of it. It's really easy to get them. If you, if you guess wrong and you get a Jamarcus Russell or a Blaine Gabbard, it sets you back like two, three years. So there's all these reasons against taking the quarterback. And then if your quarterback doesn't pan out right away like Russell Wilson, by the way, third rounder or whatever, then, you know, by the, if, if he gets out of his rookie contract by year five or whatever, you're getting Matthew Stafford, De- Derek Carr money. Now he's not even, he's not even right. like, under the cap. You're not even getting a pro- You're not even getting anything out of that. You're just breaking even. I mean, that's just, he's 28 yeah, million yeah. of your cap. No, that's the time to go for it. That's why they were so good, Seattle, for five years, right. is because they could spend their money elsewhere, and that's exactly right. why the Eagles but just won the Super Bowl. Right. The Eagles could just spent all their money elsewhere, did not have to spend it at the quarterback position. Uh, so that's that's what teams are doing these days, and it's smart. Yeah, no, it is smart if you get a, a guy that pans out right away, you know, right, right. away. And most quarterbacks right. take a little development. Time. The other thing is I looked at the top 10 QBs in the last, you know, 20 years. Since 2000, no top 10 QB has really 
Cam Newton's been really good. Matt Ryan's been really good. Andrew Luck's been really good. That's the best in the last, since 2000. Right, like, yeah. Like, those guys are really good. I mean, if you get one, Stafford's been pretty good. But, like, a lot of it's just, okay, so now we have Jameis Winston. Great. All right, we got Jameis Winston. You know, I mean, they literally, Tyrod Taylor and Case Keenum, those guys are, like, almost free. And even, like, five years ago, this was even worse because it would cost you a lot more of those draft picks or however many years it was. You know, yeah. those are, like, the biggest Not, contracts. Right. right. Now, well, there is a little window where they think if we can get the quarterback going right away, we can win. Okay. Right. Then the second thing is I, I saw, um, there's a few more things, but I saw the, the presser with uh, Gettleman and uh, Pat Shermer, and I actually felt kind of confident after that. I was like, Gettleman's kind of a, a character. He's kind of goofy. When he's mocking the keyboard typing, you felt more confident coming away from that? Oh, no, I really? just thought like those guys are just, no. So, so he decided to take the guy he wanted to take. And those guys are mocking the shit out of him all over the place for doing that. So why shouldn't he like, be, like mock them as being like, oh, these keyboard jockeys are like fucking mocking me? Why, why? All right. Okay. Are right. you offended? Okay. You feel like you identify? No, I wasn't offended. No, but I mean, yeah, yeah I, I, my feelings hurt, actually. I want an apology, an yeah. official apology. Yeah. You're, you no, it's fine. It. No, it's fine. I like your contrarian view. And, 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 I, and having a really good running back, especially one that can catch, is but, a big, it, well, it does help. Right, but I'm going to take it even further, though, okay? Because not only, so you have to run the ball, right? The other thing is, let me ask you this, okay? okay? Let's say you have a team that gains three yards per play. So, you know, we established like passing per play on average is seven, running is four. Let's say you have a team that it only gains three yards per play total on offense. Yeah. Where does that rank in uh, today's NFL? What, what number team would that rank? Three yards per play average. Per play? Yeah, your team, uh, your offense average. I, I, don't know this, I don't know this stat, but I follow after the games. Per three, three yards per play, that'd be last. Last by a mile. Like last, yeah. last is usually like 4.9 or something like that. Okay. I was going to guess five, yeah. By a mile, it would be um, last. Yeah. But let's say you got three yards every single play. How do you think your team would do that season? Well, it'd be the best ever. It'd be it's, unbeatable. No. It would never no. fail to score no. a touchdown. And no. the only way it can lose is if yeah. its defense gave up a touchdown every time. And because it was slow to score, because it would be very slow, yeah. it didn't get there. It, it like had one fewer possession. If the defense could make one stop, it would go undefeated and win the Super Bowl. That's right. Oh, the defense would need to make one stop a game. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Assuming no false starts, I guess. No, just average three yards of play. Right. Out. No yeah. penalties, yeah. right? So what does that mean? Why is that the case? How could you be like by far the worst offensive team in history and yet yeah. be the best offensive team in history? How is that possible for those two things to be true at the same time? Well, because... There's this weird rule in football that you may have heard of that if you get 10 yards, your downs reset. Did you know that rule? Yeah, I've heard, within I've heard, four I've heard downs, if you gain 10 yards, within four right. downs, you get right. to start over at first down. Right. You even, right? Get, a, you even get four even, not just three. If, you, no, if not, you're you know, not a nutless monkey coach. Right. So <laughs> this is really weird because what it means is the average per play is one factor. Obviously, it's very good to average the more yards per play. But it's actually consistency in a lot of ways that, that wins the game because all you got to do is be able to get first downs consistently, right? So if you, right. if you average a lower amount per play, but you rarely take a sack, you rarely take a loss, you rarely turn it over, and you get a lot of five-yard gains, six-yard gains, four-yard gains, seven-yard gains, you actually might be better than a team that gets a lot of big plays but makes a lot of mistakes and makes, gets a lot of incomplete passes. Does any team throw to their backs more than the Patriots? I think that they right. just found the cheat code. I mean, yes. it's a cheat code. It's the cheapest right. yards. Yes. I mean, it's so simple. You wouldn't be thrown to the backs as much if you just had, like, say, eight downs to get down the whole field. Right. right? The fact no, that you start no. over is a big, it's a very important rule. And so these sort of net, just say, oh, well, yards per target goes, the favorite goes to this. It, it's also the consistency. You know, how consistent are you? Okay. How about another thing I'm going to ask you? In baseball. If a player has a 1-0 count or a 2-1 count, do you know, do you know that, what do you think his batting average is better than, than players, you know, league-wide that have a 1-2 count or an 0-1 count? By a mile. It's much yeah. better. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. An 0-1 count, I think you become like the worst hitter in baseball, basically. Right. It's, it's that <laughs> right. drastic. Yeah. So if you're in a hitter's count, it's really advantageous. If you're in a pitcher's count, it's not. Do you think a similar thing might be happening when you're second and four, second and five, third and two versus second and nine, third and seven with the sure. QBs. That, that would make sense. Yes. Right. That would so, make sense. So not only do you have to run 25% of the time, so you need to, you, you need those running plays, but,
but that the success of some of your early down plays, I mean, you could pass on early downs. I think teams should and make the defense as off balance as possible. But to the extent that you're going to run, if you have a running back that can put your quarterback in hitters counts and an offensive line, and they drafted Will Hernandez in round two to help Mm -hmm. and and sign some offensive linemen, it's going to make it a lot easier Eli was always, I mean, Eli was terrible, but he was always third and nine. I mean, they're running Paul Perkins and freaking Orleans right. Darkway into the teeth of the defense twice. And then, you know, what are right. they going to do? No, I know. It's the most predictable play calling I can remember last And you have a non-mobile QB that, you know, is, is going to be in bad, with a bad offensive line. With horrendous running backs. People all, you know, I mean, let's just admit how bad the running backs are. Yeah. I mean, they were just horrible. They were horrible. You know, so, so I, I, I think there's like cascade effects. There, there's, and well, then I you have the... Like- give receivers a hard time or even left tackles a hard time, but I never hear like as much criticism. Like those running backs, just, they're just terrible on that team. You know, I mean, everyone wants the next guy to take over to be a stud Gallman or who, who's that? Yeah. I mean, dark one, Gallman. Yeah. yeah, dark, dark, your dark horse showed some flashes, but, and I was guilty as much hyping them, but they, uh, it's also the system too, right? They didn't run yeah, block very right, well. Right. So you had a, you had a, like a bottom five offensive system. You had a, a bad offensive line. And you had I'll never forgive you. I won, hey, I won the Fantasy Pros competition two years ago. Number one fantasy ranker for football before the season. Right. Last year, I, I, I assume I'm going to be toward the very bottom. And partially, I'm going to blame you because I bumped Paul Perkins up <laughs> spots at the last second because I'm like, I really trust. Listen, that general, was two years ago, though. My first mistake, my second mistake, though, he's a Giants guy. So yeah. I figured he must know. So I no, bumped no, him up. Two like, years ago. I, I didn't bump. Paul Perkins was out of the mix by last year, I think. No, no, no. This was last year. Oh, this really? Was, it was promise. last year. <laughs> I promise. I, that seems like I promise you, you had Paul Perkins as a top, uh, like around your 20th ranked running back in your He was. He was. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wins it's okay. Wins right. Go ahead. Carry on. Listen, Carry on. I, I'm glad that I ranked him that wrongly just to see that it just, took you down. Yeah. You don't even go on record or anything. You don't even have like a fantasy. No one no, even well, I do rank the players. Me. No, no. I, I've talked about this. I don't do those dumbass contests, but I do, I do my rankings. So, I mean, there's so many reasons that this sort of simple analytics, oh, see, more yards per play. There's so much more complexity to the game. And when the Patriots are taking a running back, it was, it was 31, not right. two, but Lamar Jackson was still there. Is there not, you know, it's still a first round pick, yeah. but they don't give a shit about these guys. Oh, well, the yards per play, they are, they don't care. They have to do their own analytics. They do their own, they have their own understanding of the game. And I think the idea that running it through like a yards per play comparison or something. To me, that's not very good. The other thing that I really disagreed with was, you know, if you look at Marshall Falk, he's just but another running back. And if you grade him out yards per play versus some mediocre receiver, I think he used Eli Rogers as the example, compared him to Le'Veon Bell. It's like if, if you're, if what you're saying basically ends up concluding that A, you should basically throw every time, which is not true, or B, that like Le'Veon Bell and Eli Rogers are roughly equal value, Either you're, you've stumbled upon a really startling insight that is, whoa, that's, this is eye-opening shit, or maybe you've got to rework it. Looking at the wrong thing, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's like, to me, it's like, look, I'm not saying I know everything or the casual fan or the eye test is whatever. I'm not a professional scout, and even professional scouts are ignorant in a lot of ways, but if, you can't, if your formula can't tell me that Marshall Falk is an extremely valuable player, not just, oh, he's more valuable than most running backs because he catches passes, and Barkley could be like that maybe. But no, no, that he's an extremely, extremely valuable player. If it, tell, if it somehow like, you know, puts him, well, he's a sort of like a little bit above average wide receiver. He's kind of like, the, he's like a Brandon LaFell. I, I just, I'm sorry. Like, I, I think I just... People are arguing that? That is an argument? I, I think that if you look at like yards per play in the passing game between, you know, Marshall sure. Falk versus like a Brandon LaFell or somebody, I bet it's close. You know, or yeah. Brandon LaFell maybe gets more, but you can't look at first order effects only. You have to look at, well, what's the defense doing because of Marshall Falk? Who has to watch him all the time? What plays does he make that another running back doesn't make? What, how much duress is the QB under that he sort of rescues him from a sack and turns it into a 20 yard gain? There's just so many, I just think it's a very complex thing. And, and, and it's so, so the idea that, oh, it's so crazy to take a QB at two, it, it could be wrong. I'm not saying that I know everything and that like, you know, that I've crunched some serious numbers because I haven't. I just think that the arguments against it are just so far from uh, persuasive to me. And, and, and the way in which they're wielded is like, oh, this is what was optimal, but these guys just did this dumb thing and maybe they'll get lucky. I just think that's really presumptuous. And then, and then the last thing, and I don't mean to be harsh because I, I don't want to sound harsh. I, nobody, there were some douchey guys, none of them that I interacted with, but, but, but JJ did tweet. He said it was really, it was an arrogant pick to go and get his guy. And I know what he meant by that. He meant like, how could he substitute his, he wants to just take this guy, but he doesn't want to look at the positional value. That's really arrogant. 
But like, isn't that kind of backwards? Like, it's his job to take. It's not arrogant to take the guy that you most want. It's arrogant That's, to tell somebody whose job it is that, that they're being arrogant. Do you see what I mean? Like, it's like, you're, what, he's not towing the line? He's not fitting the orthodoxy, the sabermetric he's orthodoxy? He thinks is clearly the best, obviously, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Right. You're not towing the sabermetric orthodox line, so you're being arrogant? I mean, isn't that what the, where the arrogance is? It's his job. If he's wrong, and it's a stupid pick, and Eli's terrible, and the Giants are in the wilderness because they can't rebuild because they don't have a QB for a while, then he'll probably get fired. But like, that's, he's the one with skin in the game. It's his livelihood on the line. Right? Like, it's not arrogant to take the guy you want. And then finally, what's something that Gettleman said in, in the press conference, a guy asked, he said, you know, you guys were set on Barkley. He was like, yeah, pretty much. And he said, were you ever close to talking yourself into one of the other guys like Darnold or Josh Allen or somebody? And he said, you just answered your own question. When you have to talk yourself into a guy, th- then it's probably a mistake. And I think that's, that was a good point. Like, none of those guys, besides maybe Mayfield, who wasn't available... Like, we're, it's not like they were Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning coming oh, to college. They were like, sure. you know, they were all like, had their pluses and minuses. And you don't just take any top 10 quarterback. You got to take the one that's going to be really good or you pass. And well, that, there's, you know, I don't know. I, so I, I've, I, I'm happy with the pick and I'm starting to come around on the Giants when I was so uh, miserable before. It doesn't look like they're trading. Uh, oh, they kept, Beckham. yeah, they kept Beckham. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I also liked the part, I like a lot of the points you brought up. Excellent. Uh, and I like just being uh, contrarian, but also just one thing that needs to be uh, noted is that you aren't arguing for Barkley or these quarterbacks necessarily the player. It's just the, the idea of a running back versus a prospect quarterback. You know, you don't have any, like, it's not like you like love Barkley, the college well, tape or anything. I, I, you know, look, I watched a couple of clips of him, right? And now I'm biased because he's a giant now. But it's not that. It's that, you know, from what I've read, Barkley's a generational running back prospect. I've heard a little negative, like his actual between the tackles running isn't amazing or anything. He's more into the vision in the open field and the speed and the power. But, you know, from what I've read, he's a generational running back prospect, the best one since Adrian Peterson, and maybe better because he can catch. Maybe and, none of back quarterbacks, to and none of these quarterbacks are considered any, anything even close right. to And that. none of these guys are generational, whatever. They're like, all oh, eh, they could be okay. And so it's like, I don't watch it, so that's not my opinion. Those are secondhand opinions. But, I mean, that obviously matters. If there was like Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning in the class, I would probably say you should take the QB. That's not who these guys are. I don't know. I, I, I just feel like it's absurd. It's not absurd to say they should have taken a quarterback. It's absurd to say it with snark and dismissive. Like, and certain, it's certain, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, anything I'll say, anyone who thinks they're certain about anything, it just, uh, and I'm talking about the whole community, uh, you know, it's just they're, they don't follow sports enough because one thing I'm certain about is that I should be uncertain. Because one thing, the bets I'm most confident in, often the ones I lose, uh, the ones I'm, I'm shakiest turn out the bet, it's, it's tough. So yeah, don't be certain at all. But Anyway, I like the counter. I like the counter, man. Um, let me throw you some, some random things at you now. Sure. Do you have anything else to support? Okay. So you're about, what do you think about the, the Bill Gates situation? Have you heard about him warning that 30 million people could die of a flu pandemic and he's you know, donating $12 million to looking into these flu vaccines? Uh, have you heard about this? No, but uh, he's like the ultimate nutless monkey in my mind. The nutless monkey follows Bill Gates. And I, I don't really, I'm not saying it's impossible because I, I don't know, but I don't, that dude sounding the alarm would not. That dude's kind of. Who knows? So you're not a Bill Gates. Okay, all right. I, 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 I think, th- I think I have, Bill Gates is a tool. I think one of the rare times yeah. I have seen my face representing the Nellis Monkey. I think I have seen you like responding to him. So it yeah, makes sense yeah. to me that Mocking you don't Bill like Gates. Him. I'll right. say you know Bill Gates hosted the Saudi prince, whatever he is, who's touring the U.S. to like get support right. for war. And, you know, like that guy, like is they're bombing Yemen. There's like a humanitarian crisis, There's like a genocide basically going on in Yemen right now. U.S. is like giving weapons to it. And that Saudi prince is like the main part of it. And, uh, you know, he's meeting with Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos. Like they're treating that guy like he's like, oh, uh, esteemed world leader. Why don't you come in? Like, well, he claimed that Trump offered him a, a, a science position in the uh, White House. Too. Bill Gates. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. So, all right, okay, you haven't heard of that. Not a Bill, that wouldn't Bill be Gates Trump's worst guy. hire. Trump, Trump is definitely willing yeah. to hire whoever. And you're not worried about the flu pandemic when obviously the super volcano is going to be, be a problem. I'm not worried about the flu pandemic. I mean, you know, anyone can catch the flu. Most va- a lot of the vaccine, I wouldn't take the vaccine. A lot of them have mercury in them. And a lot of them don't match. The, they don't always, it's hard to match mm-hmm. the exact strain that you get. So m- much of the time it's ineffective. 
If, there was, if people were dropping dead from the flu, like left and right, like not like 95-year-olds who were going to die anyway, but like young people, uh, then I would get the vaccine, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm not persuaded by Bill Gates. Um, gotcha. All right. Uh, I want to follow up a little bit. I talked about because this happened like right before I think we were recording. But, you know, that Golden State killer. Have you followed up on yeah, that? We at talked all? about it last week. I know. I know. But I love that. Too. Some more details, though. They're like insane. Like, do you want to tell people? I want to tell you a couple. All so right, he would put me. like a significant other, the husband, the boyfriend in a room and make them lay on their stomach and put China on their backs. Right. And then take the wife or girlfriend over in the other room for like all night. It's horrible. You know, horrible. And be like, if that China's broken, when I come back, I'm going to kill you. It's like, to think about that. Like, I've seen the worst horror movies, the worst writers. No one can think of that. That, that is like demented shit. Like, he's sitting there for sometimes four, six, eight hours listening to what's happening and having China on his back that he cannot move for the, if it breaks, he's going to kill him. Another, another time. Well, real man, real man breaks the China and then takes the jag of China and kills that, the, that killer. Right. Okay. Well, then this other one. Are you going to sit there and wait? There is a, there is a, a nobody. Well, the thing about sitting and waiting is it's so stupid because like if that dude's crazy enough to kill you because you broke a piece of China and he's with your wife by himself, you really think that he's not going to kill her too? Well, he, well, he let a lot of these people go. That's how we know this happened. He let them go. Oh, I mean, he did let him go. Yeah, that's well, how we I would have yeah. found out because I would have had some. I would have had to. I would have had to have it out. It's funny you say that because here we go. So there was a. Now we're learning more information. There was okay. a town hall meeting while this was going on in Sacramento. A couple hundred people, local community. One guy came up, got, spoke in front of the 200 people, and he said, how could a husband allow this to happen to their wife? I would never in a million years. You know, I cannot believe this. But not two weeks later, they were targeted. And it's now learned that that dude was in that town hall meeting almost certainly. And they said he spent extra time with this guy. It was different, <laughs> this guy. So, I mean, this is like obviously a movie is going to be made. I mean, he's right. been married 45 years. He has three daughters. For all we know, one of his daughters is the reason he was caught. I mean, he, someone shared at a genealogy website and they did a Hail Mary and threw this and they linked to him and they found his. But it's because someone in his family voluntarily put right. that information. He would have got away with it otherwise. Yes. I mean, this is just this crazy. But yeah. anyway, that's that's nuts. But he was a former one more cop, thing. wasn't he a cop? Former cop. Yes. And he was uh, and he was uh, fired because he was caught shoplifting a hammer and dog repellent. I mean, it's. It, it, <laughs> You can't make this stuff up. It's yeah. crazy. Um, on, a, on a much on a much better a better note, this is dead serious. I'm going to tweet this out, but my my close friend, um, she uh, uh, had to go through cancer for a second time, and it looked very very grim. I'm, she did a blog post, and I'm going to go to my Twitter at Dalton Del Don. I'm going to I'm going to uh, tweet this out. But the reason I really want to say it is because it could reach anyone. She credits uh, the keto diet. Um, yeah. Stan no Stanford list. Stanford um, said that. Uh, enjoy your family and you have till Christmas. And uh, they said, we have no more help, hope for you because of her kidneys are failing. Uh, you should read the whole thing, but she changed her diet and she's uh, in, in, in almost full remission. And it's amazing. She went on a, a trip to Hawaii for a week in between this when she was still, she really honestly went on a trip, I think right. just to, like, to be with her family. Right. Uh, and she went off it and ate some pineapple and said, could not believe how much that one day affected her. Went back right. on the keto diet. It saved her life, dude. Right. Saved your life. I, I've read shit like that. That's amazing that you like actually know someone. My because, friend who's my age, 35 year old woman, two kids right. was getting a death sentence. Right. And three, four, right. four or five months later, we're, it's yeah. a lot. It's, it's amazing. And I don't want to take a positive and spin it to a negative, but like it, it's a negative that like all these fucking doctors, they charge so much. Stanford. Things, it's Stanford. It, Stanford. It's so expensive. They're getting paid all these salaries. And like, it's not that that should be the first thing you try before the chemo, before the drugs. Just, oh, you have a little bit of cancer, it's spreading. Just go on this, just go totally out. Not that it would cure everyone, but just- So she already beat breast, breast cancer and she did chemo and she couldn't do chemo this time because her kidneys were failing and right. doctors didn't know why. It was too and toxic. And she switched this uh, diet and, and now but she I'm, could I do- I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, it's, it's amazing that that happened. That's great news. And but, the doctors, uh, and she went to another doctor and he's like, oh, I'm not sure, but I don't think that's it. And then he called another, and he learned. So people, even in the med medical industry, yeah. they're learning well, why too. why don't they know this? Why don't they know exactly. this already? How is, exactly. it that, so, how is it that you know this and that I've already heard of this and that yeah. your friend figured out, but, but like the medical system, it's like last resort. Oh, you got to be on your deathbed before they'll try this shit. It's really yeah. no, so You know what? There's money sugar. in that. There's zero dollars. Yeah in fucking fasting and just eating meat. There's no money in it. There's, you can't patent it. You can't administer it. I'm telling yeah, you, man, like, knock on wood, I hope I don't get into like a car accident or something where you need medical care. Like where it's not your, 
I, I'm just trying to avoid the system at all costs. Like just, you know, lit, you know eat right, fast. I'm actually fasting today because I, I couldn't do it Monday because I was sick and moving. But uh, it's the most... Uh, it's just like, just don't even get involved. But that's great. That's great. That, that yeah, works. I know. I mean, they want, they want you to get sick by eating their sugar crap. And then, right. uh, I mean, they want you, to, they want you to, to eat that, to spend money on it. And then you'll get sick and you'll spend money there to, to get yeah. better. And, 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 you, and you'll live a miserable, even if you, if, if you don't die, you'll be on like diabetes medication and you'll be weak and you'll have no energy. And it's like, it, it's literally like I, I, pull, I pull my brain out of the, the matrix or whatever it is a little bit. You see that movie. And when you see the movie, The Matrix in 1998, you're like, Oh yeah, the matrix. I'm not in the matrix. Like I see other people in the matrix that you think that you're like free thinker, but then you're like eating the same shit that everyone else is eating. You don't even question that. Right. And then you, you start to question one little thing and you start questioning another little thing and you start, and then you realize the whole fucking thing's a shambles. Like the whole thing's a fraud. Literally the money you spend is like inflatable. And somebody described it as like, you're the client and it's on a server, you know, so it's in the cloud and they can just pull it away. It's like the data, it's their money. They can just inflate it to the point where this, you have the stuff you have is worthless. Like all the stuff we have is so flimsy and, but there's like solutions around it. Obviously Bitcoin was created and we'll see if it, if it, if it lasts, but that's like another matrix removal thing. And, and so every single time I learn of these things, like your friend or just, I've read about that kind of stuff also. And like how sugar is marketed and, and, and you know, the fact that it causes illness, you just start to like remove a little bit further from like what is normal belief. You know, and you don't realize, like, I'm sure now I have a thousand uh, in the matrix beliefs that I don't, I'm not even aware of. Like, I, it's, it's not even, I, I take it for granted that this is a fact or that this is true or that this is how things are done. But it's and crazy. Just, so, yeah, and I just believe authority who tells me it must be, especially right. when you learn it all growing up. So it must be true if the government or whoever is telling right. me. Oh, your I, doctor? I, 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 oh, your doctor is looking after you. He's, a, he's, a, yeah. he's the family doctor that you go to. Yeah. Yeah, of course. No. Yeah, it's crazy. It's funny you mentioned the matrix. I saw someone tweeting. He's like, uh, uh, someone was, uh, uh, Trump has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize or, or he has like 17 votes or whatever it takes to get right. him. He's like, if Donald Trump gets a Nobel Peace Prize, like we are officially a part of some sort of observation of some sort of simulation. We right. are in a matrix or something yeah. if that happens. But anyway, I had a rough last uh, year, year and a half. So this is some good news. And man, just most importantly, um, apparently this really can work. Maybe not for everyone. Maybe everyone's probably a little right. bit different, but this, this, I just saw this firsthand save someone's life. So yeah. pass it on if you know anyone dealing with this stuff, kind of stuff, the keto diet. Yeah, that's good shit, man. And, uh, yeah, it probably doesn't work for everything, but it, it probably works for like more things than, than, uh, right. you would think. Some people realize, yeah. yeah. All right, man. That's all I got for you. Uh, one thing I always forget to do this, but if you like the podcast, you feel free to like it in, um, in iTunes, and uh, you can leave a comment about Dalton Del Don's polo shirt, my scarf, whatever you like. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all we got.